This FPL season has definitely been go, go, go. A nonstop hustle all the time. Matches, deadlines, unexpected blank and double game weeks, on top of everything the real world has had in store. Sometimes you need a moment to turn off and hit reset. That's when you reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. For me personally, supporting Fulham during this last year has been a true roller coaster ride. Honestly, when that Adama Traore goal flew past Areola in the 92nd minute of game week 31, the only thing that saved my mental state, the only thing that calmed my nerves, was cracking open a Coors Light. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. That way, you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. And listen, everyone, summer is pretty much here. It's about to get hot in New York. An ice-cold Coors Light is such a perfect way for me to beat that summertime heat. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. Hail cheaters, and welcome to the Always Cheating Fantasy Premier League podcast. My name is Josh, and Brandon, why am I here? What am I, I doing here? I assumed you would have had a baby by now. Your life would have <laughs> been uh, changed forever, but no. You, the things I once cared about, I no longer cared about. But you're, you're, you're just on borrowed time right now, you were telling me. You're still waiting for the baby to come, and in the meantime, I'm putting you to work. I'm making you <laughs> continue with your co-hosting duties and always cheating. It's a weird thing. So my wife was due yesterday, and we're still we're still waiting for the baby to come. And uh, I came into the office, you know, today, and everyone was expecting me to still to be out for paternity leave. And uh, I got a lot of strange looks. Sort of, why are you here? I basically wrapped up all of my work on Friday. Was there like I'm an like intern starting new sitting projects. at your desk using your computer? <laughs> <laughs> no, they actually hired password. someone entirely new. Yeah, I, as far as they, they're concerned, I'm not an employee there any longer. Uh, so they found me a little like spot in the corner. I sat on the floor with an iPad and <laughs> and got my work done. That's great. Uh, but thank you. Uh, a ton of people have uh, shouted out this week and said they'd be happy to host, and uh, that was awesome. And you know, I'm not even really sure. To be honest, you know how many times will how many times we'll need hosts. I mean, we have some some friends of ours who, you know, who, who live near us who obviously are going to be taking on a lot of the responsibility. But you know, just given that um, it's because I'm having a baby, it's going to be kind of unpredictable. I think there's probably going to be uh, a lot of sort of windows opportunity for people to contribute if they want to uh, over the course of the year. And so you may. Yeah, much like the uh, first scene in The Godfather, you may eventually get a call one day. Uh, <laughs> a cryptic, a cryptic direct message from Brandon may arrive in your inbox. <laughs> Nobody wants. I mean, you suggested this might be a possibility, Josh, but I think everyone's worst nightmare is just an hour of me in an empty room talking <laughs> about the uh, the merits of of starting Heaton in goal and trying to talk myself into the Burnley defense. I think that would be okay. I, you know, I, I was a, as some people, I think I've talked about this on the, on the podcast before, but I was, you know, really an online poker obsessive before the, uh, the for the unlawful internet gambling act uh, was passed about 
five years or so ago, maybe a little longer. Um, and I used to listen to a million podcasts. It's like the early days of podcasts. And there would just be people t- talking about – just talking to themselves for like 90 minutes about like hand histories and how they might have played something differently. And I was wrapped. I loved it. So I, I think you actually could do it yourself if you have to. Now you're just into the futures market, right? You only play the futures market. <laughs> That's right. It's all, all in trade. Okay, Josh, I made up a song for you, and uh, I would like to sing it for you right now. Okay, let's hear it. Guess who's back? Back again. <laughs> Trollkaku's back. Tell a friend. <laughs> He's back, baby. I know. Portrait. Thankfully, I didn't captain him. You had to at least you had to at least be worried about this one. Oh, right? I mean, yeah, we Kaku I mean, away we, to Bournemouth. Very worried. And uh, Lukaku was on such scorching form, and we saw him last season go. I think it was seven games in a row scoring, and there was no sign of him stopping. But of course. Even Ronald Koeman could not stop Everton from just reverting to being Everton for one game. I have to admit, I didn't watch a minute of this game. I I sort of didn't watch in protest because I was so annoyed about the Leighton Baines uh, injury that no one uh, that no one knew about. So I had like a little. I told you in advance I was going to go on a rant here. I, I'm not feeling as ranty anymore. Um, but you know, I wild carded this weekend and. A uh, lot of injuries. I somehow wildcarded in a bunch of injured players, uh, none of whom anybody predicted were going to be injured. Right. Um, thankfully, I avoided the Dejan Lovren transfer that I was considering. Uh, but I did have Luke Shaw and Leighton Baines. And so losing Shaw right at the start, I was kind of frustrated because I've been debating so many different players. And I kind of stuck with Shaw. And I was like, oh, I don't even know if I really want um, – you know, I don't even know if I really want like a Man U defender right now. Like it all seems to be going to hell. Damari Gray made me feel better about that move. Uh, but, you know, so my thinking was, and I, I sent out a, a, a kind of, I wouldn't say cryptic tweet, but it was a very, <laughs> very, it was very cold, the tweet. Did you just roll, did you just roll your eyes at me? Uh, no, I didn't roll my eyes at you. I was just, I was, I was thinking about, I was trying to remember this tweet. Well, it was basically just, I mean, like, no one really knows what's going on inside these clubs. And that is in no way meant to – there are a lot of uh, websites and Twitter feeds, and I'm not certainly not going to name names, and I don't – and there's nothing wrong with these people are doing. I don't think most of them are faking or anything like that, um, and certainly not the more dependable ones. But, um, but you know, honestly, all, all these people are doing – and it's that's all they can do, really. You know, they're not – they don't have connections inside these clubs. They're not – they're not on the training ground. They're not even press, you know? So all they're doing is are taking these press conferences and kind of condensing them and then, and then presenting them on Twitter, you know, well, or didn't, Facebook. Did, or didn't Lovren end up with a virus like that, that surfaced the morning of the match. And that's what kept him out of the starting 11. And who, I mean, come on, that's what they always say. It's always the, it's always something that manifests itself the morning of it's like Leighton Baines already picked up something the morning of, I mean, there was no, no hint of anything wrong with him. Surely. I mean, oh, this, I, you this know, sort of thing. I was only, reading only this hours before. Right. If it's yeah. Daniel Sturridge, I believe it. But if it's <laughs> if it's a if it's a real hard body athlete, then then right. no, it's harder to believe. So I just think that a lot of people can spare themselves some mental energy and not take any of these proclamations too seriously about the pr- supposed fitness. And I don't, you know, someone like Ben Dennery, I mean, I'm really not trying to disparage him in any way. Uh, if anything, I feel bad for him because he gets, you ever looked at his Twitter feed? I mean, that guy gets asked the same question 40 or 50 times in a row. I mean, no one will ever look at his feed to see if he's answered the question already. They right. just, they just answer, they ask him the same question he's been asked like 40 times in a row. That cannot be fun. And all he's doing is guessing. I mean, it's not like he's pretending that he's like, 
you know, calling up David Moyes on the phone to find out the status of, you know, Vita Manone for the next eight weeks or whatever. You know, he doesn't know. And he's, and he's not pretty, pretending he's, to. And he's pretty good natured about the whole thing, too. We tweeted yeah. at him last season, uh, just like, hey, Ben, enough of what the injuries. How are you doing? <laughs> he, he responded saying, well, thanks for asking. I'm doing quite fine. Yeah, so, exactly. yeah, he, he has taken on quite a burden of servicing every every fantasy manager on the planet, basically. Right. But to, to paraphrase Marco Rubio, let's dispel with the fiction that any of us know what's going on inside these clubs. We don't. Okay, so this leads us into Mitchell Maynard's question. He asks, what are your main sources of news, stats, or insights? I'm guessing it's quite broad, but I'm interested to hear which sources you guys consider most helpful and dependable. Um, I mean, I you know, it's it's not like groundbreaking stuff. I mean, I think that the um, – I've always thought the Fantasy Football Scouts, uh, What the Fans Are Saying article is a particularly good article. Uh, it compresses a lot of things that fans are saying on, uh, on team blogs. Right. And it tends to be a more reliable indicator of um, – uh, you know, it, not necessarily even injuries, but just who's going to start and who's not going to start. It's really good at picking that sort of thing up. Um, they'll often telegraph, oh, you know, Raheem, the, the talk is that Raheem Sterling is going to be, uh, you know, sidelined. And a lot of these, and a lot of this is because these guys read everything, right? So it's like an Arsenal fan who's like the super fan, they're writing on this Arsenal blog. They've read like every local North London paper blog, whatever, you know? So yeah. if there's any bit of information out there, they've picked it up and they're sharing it with, with their friends on these, on these sites. So, uh, I think that, um, yeah, I think that's pretty useful. I mean, I, I, I like just actual websites. Like I think the guardian and the telegraph, uh, are, are really, uh, David Ornstein and the telegraph is really good. Here's a pro tip um, for you. Follow, yeah. follow every premier league team on Instagram and throughout the week, they will uh, they will post pictures of training sessions. And right. I mean, this is a ludicrous suggestion, I accept. But at least you could see who's at training, who's got a smile on their face, who's goofing around right. with Alexis Sanchez. <laughs> That's you know, right. Maybe maybe Cazorla mysteriously doesn't appear in any Instagram photos throughout the week. <laughs> hmm, what's going on there? He's only appearing in in pictures where they're visiting sick children in the hospital. Does that mean he's nursing an ankle injury? Right. Right. Exactly. I think that uh, the comment sections um, of even even places, I mean, Fantasy Football Scout, I, I have to admit, I don't read the comment section as much as I used to, partially because there's there's just too many comments. I mean, every post gets, you know, 1200 comments like the second it's up. It's just it's just a lot to wade through. But, you know, especially like, you know, in the hours before a match starts, it's, you know, it's just very, you know, I actually had a theory when I woke up this morning I was thinking, um, it's going to be hard for anyone born in the U.S. to ever actually finish number one in the world, because it is you know I, I you know I was up until one a.m. is reading everything I could, especially on the wild card and, um, but there's you know I, the game started at seven thirty here in the U.S., which means I would have to get up by about six a.m. in order to find any breaking news and make any last minute transfers. It happened a couple times in the spring of last year, and I just think that you know there's a little and I'm not complaining about this. Um, you know it's fine, but. I do think that I'm not going to win number one in the world anyway, right? But yeah. I do think that there's there's a lot of chances as a you. It's even worse, I guess, if you're on the West Coast, right? You have to wake up at. You just stay up, I guess, right? <laughs> exactly. It's <laughs> like staying up for a for a late night international flight or something like that. Exactly. Like, oh, I'll sleep on the plane. <laughs> but you know, the thought of waking up at six. I mean, maybe I'll with sleep the baby. The Burnley Watford match. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I don't know. So what else? I mean, I think regular so, uh, news sites, they're, they're typically, I feel like they're, they're good people to find on Twitter who really like plugged into the club. Those can be good sources for, for injury news in particular too. 
And Ben Dinnery, also he and I think a couple of partners launched this new website, premierinjuries.com. And it looks like they also have an uh, app for the, your iPad and your iPhone. But you go there and they do a team-by-team listing of uh, who has knocks or injuries and little sound bites from press conferences, what the managers are saying. So that is a good one-shot, one-kill if you just go to premierinjuries.com. For sure, for sure. All right. So, so that, those are those are some sites. Yeah, and we've, we've talked before about just regular fantasy stuff, you know. I mean, I think that um, – I mean, I don't know. Is there, is there a website that you go to for fantasy information that isn't one of the really well-known ones? I mean, we you know we talked about we talked about the, the fantasy football scout, and you know, both of us like um, uh, the Transfer Hub website a lot, and uh, the Transfer Hub Facebook group, group is great too. It's a it's a uh, it's a private group, but you can typically get in if you email Nick, and so uh, that's that's something to. I, I hope I'm not revealing any trade secrets here, but I know Nick's always trying to build his his, his um you know his right. uh, kind of. Uh, readers on that site. So I'm no, gonna, that, I'm that pretty much covers it. I, I, uh, we're going to look at uh, various stats um, for a lot of premium midfielders coming up, particularly Arsenal and Liverpool. And I think sometimes you can get too much inside your head looking at all these stats and all these reports. I am all about the the online forum of my mind, Josh. Sometimes <laughs> it's not too bad. It's not so bad to just watch these games, do the eye test, go with your gut. And and let let that be yeah. your guide. It's so much more fun that way too. I mean, I think that you know, I often wonder. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think that it's um, I, I sometimes wonder if the podcast is in some ways affecting uh, the decisions that I'm making because I like I want to be I'm making the right decisions because I know I'll be talking about them on the podcast next week. And uh, but making the right decisions just often means that you're making the decision that that the majority agree is the right decision, which uh, often is is I'm like talking myself in a circles here, but the, you know, often there's, there's a certain wisdom of crowds that you should trust, but that's also not the most fun approach. You know, right. it's, it's more fun to uh, take a little bit of information from, from A, B, C, D, and E, and then kind of come to your own conclusion, whatever that may be. All right. Speaking of where our decisions actually take us, how did we do in game week six? Uh, I finished on uh, 51 points. Uh, pretty disappointing coming out of the wild card. I, I'm actually up like 100,000 spots uh, overall, and uh, I did win my head-to-head in the Showstoppers League. So uh, I felt I felt pretty. It was like the, the one bright spot this week was was winning my head-to-head in the Showstoppers. You League. You won on I, a one-point victory because of a holobus yellow card. <laughs> Luke, Luke, yeah, I feel bad for Luke Maunders, Pinky and De Bruyne. Uh, yep, I beat him 51 to 50 because Holobus got zero points. In in, uh, in this afternoon's match. Heartbreaking. Absolutely. How about you, Brandon? Uh, I finished with 65 points, and I was not on my wild card. I had to feel pretty good about that, considering my transfers were dropping the ne'er-do-wells on Chelsea, Hazard and Diego Costa, who just got decimated by Arsenal. And I bring in Aguero, of course, and because I couldn't afford a guy like Raheem Sterling, I took a punt on Adam Lallana. And, I mean, how, how, how fortunate was that? So in a week where I got nothing from my defense, Adam Lalana and Mesut Ozil and Sergio Aguero carried my team for 65 points. So pretty extraordinary. I, I mean, that's a that's a 40 point swing right there. Uh, if yeah. you think about it, because you capped in Aguero, right? So that's thir- that's 26, mm-hmm. uh, and then 14 from Lalana, and you would have had F- four 15 points actually from, from Lalana. Oh, 15. Yeah. Uh, so 40. Yeah, 41. Uh, I don't know who you would have capped if you hadn't brought in Aguero. Maybe it would have been someone like Zlatan, but. Um, yeah, huge swing. Yeah, probably. So, I mean, if 
listeners of the podcast will remember me getting on your case for bringing up Adam Lalana a few episodes ago, and because uh, he hadn't scored in two weeks. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what have you done for me lately? Um, and in truth, I was I was I regretted saying that like almost immediately because you know back in his Southampton days. Uh, Lolana was just an amazing fantasy asset, and he's always he's always had that potential. And I, I I was pretty happy to bring him in, to be honest with you. And and watching the way he performed in that Liverpool midfield, which we'll talk about in greater detail a little bit later, I was yeah, feeling good for the long term prospects of him. Uh, whenever I think of Lolana, the mental image I have in my head is him clinging to Jurgen Klopp like a child who hasn't seen his father in like two and a half years. Uh-huh. He's sort of dragging on Klopp's shoulders. Uh, he really must have hated Brendan Rodgers because the, no, uh, it was like he turned to him so fast. He needed a father. FPL Dark Horse uh, asks on Twitter, with Gray Band and Burnley scoring for fun, is Sam Vokes the new Brock Tune? Well, Dark Horse, sadly not. Uh, I started Vokes over Kapu this week, and though though Burnley looked assured to get Vokes a goal, it was not meant to be. He almost Lukaku'd a goal. <laughs> he, he could have pretended he scored the, the first goal that Burnley scored today, but he, he is not a a jerk like Lukaku is willing to steal goals <laughs> off of his teammates. But I, I don't know. I guess Vokes gets a stay of execution because now he's, he's guaranteed starting up front and he's, he's still, he's still not good. And that team, despite a two nil victory over Watford is not particularly good at all. But do, but do we give Vokes a name? Folks, I, I can't believe we're not even talking about Vokes. Like it makes me like the fact that we've talked about Vokes this much on the podcast is not a good sign for our podcast. <laughs> Sam Vokes is not a very good player, and he should be out of your team very quickly. How about we just reverse? injury or no? He actually looked pretty good in the first half of this match. I'll say, even though he was like on the ground, just that thing where he was like bleeding from his thigh, like I thirty that. minutes of the match. Yeah, I he was. He, they they wrapped him up. They wrapped him up bad. <laughs> Uh, I'll I'll just propose this because of Volk sounds kind of like Volkswagen. Maybe we should call Sam Volks Farfig Nugan. <laughs> That's pretty good, actually. That's up there with Middlesberger. <laughs> so, Brandon, the question that you uh, you should be asking me, but I'll just ask myself is, uh, what would I have done differently uh, during my wild card? And I'll tell you, uh, I decide. You know, sometimes I, I the mistake that I can sometimes make is that I'm always trying to think in three or four week blocks instead of thinking in. Instead of just thinking for one week, you know, I'm always like, all right, I've got my, I, I don't want to think in terms of one week. I want to, I want to, I'm sort of plan things out and have a good plan in place. And that plan for me was was having Zlatan Ibrahimovic for the Stoke match in game week seven. It was very important to me to have Zlatan for that match, especially because I planned to captain him during that match. Um, and as a result of that, because I was, I, I got so committed to the to the Ibra game week seven plan, uh, I ended up. You know, having this incredibly expensive forward line, and um, the, my midfield really suffered as a result. You know, I couldn't bring in uh, KDB, who I kind of wanted to bring in. I couldn't bring in an Arsenal midfielder, and that—that that was what really hurt me. Uh, I bet on the wrong Liverpool player. I've been—I don't feel too bad about Lalana because um, he was not a player I was looking at. I was looking at. Uh, uh, Mane more than anyone else, yeah. and Mane, you know, Mane finished with five more points than Firmino, but certainly it was very frustrating, that, you know, on, on Saturday morning to have nine total goals in the uh, Man Manu and uh, Liverpool matches and have absolutely no attacking points from any of those. <laughs> the odds uh, are incredible. That's basically the odds of surviving, like storming the storming Omaha Beach. Like you're 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 the guy that lived. 
And we're, you know, we're going to talk in a few minutes about uh, midfielders on uh, Liverpool and Arsenal. And I mean, in terms of chances credit, Firmino is far and away the leader in that category. I mean, it's just, so it's very surprising that he, that he wouldn't be, um, you know, that he wouldn't be uh, in the points at all. But, but that's, you know, that's okay. So I think so that where do you go my from plan here? Is to, yeah. My plan is to, I ideally won't make a transfer this week and I'll stick with Ibra for the Stoke match. And then I'll save those two. Ibra turns into somebody and then I, I make an upgrade on my midfield. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't know what those moves will be. I probably an Arsenal midfielder, um, you know, maybe, maybe even um, Sanchez if I can afford him. Yeah, Arsenal seems to be on the ascendancy this week. I mean, much like they were after they uh, destroyed Watford, and we all know how that turned out. It was just two very dry, fallow game weeks with Arsenal. Uh, Who would have guessed that it was this Chelsea uh, match that would have been Arsenal's next coming out party? Man, they look so good against them. You know what's interesting? Uh, you know, just to circle back real quick to Mitchell Maynard's question. You know, in terms of sources that I find very useful, I cannot believe how prescient the Stats Bomb people have been. I know you. I, I turned you on to the Stats Bomb podcast, and mm-hmm. uh, you know they don't actually even do a podcast that often. They were doing one like once a week during the transfers, but their assessments of these players and managers and teams has been like totally spot on. And I think a very like, the website is actually really good too. Um, and I just remember you. You know, when they were talking about that Chelsea team, they said, you know, we don't I don't even think they're going to be in the Champions League this year. It's just all these all these problems that still had to be fixed. And when Chelsea started three, no, you were like, oh, uh, you know, clue they were off there. That's gelling. And now, you know, yeah. three weeks later, you sort of see all of these problems starting to come to the fore. I mean, they were crushed by Arsenal. I mean, when I feel like Chelsea, even when Chelsea was down last year, they competed with Arsenal. It was a very, very surprising match. Yeah. Gary Cahill is kind of that team in a nutshell, I think. They just they that whole team is just in need of a, a million. I mean, it's it's the same team that quit on their manager last year, you know, with 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 Conte, you know, in for in for uh, I don't even know. I mean, I guess he's sort of in for um, um, for Sess right now, right? I mean, it's the you know, I mean, well, I, I know the formation's a little different. Than I think Matic was two, kind of playing that Phillips. role previously, and now Matic is maybe playing a little more of an attacking role, but the the. I don't know. I'm just not really impressed with Matic's link play. And there's yeah. a, a vast uh, landmass between that terrible defense, terrible aged defense, and their front line. They just can't seem to have a cohesive move back to front. I have a question for you. I was going to save this for later in the podcast, but I'll just, I'll just ask it because we're talking about it. If you owned Chelsea players, if you owned Hazard or Costa right now, um, I mean, their next match is away to Hull. You probably would hold those players, right? I mean, as bad as this match was, it would be rash to dump them ahead of this match. I totally agree. Uh, Hazard I would have a bigger problem with because we saw this last season when Hazard went off the boil. He just basically vanished from the face of the earth. Acosta looked incredibly hungry during that Arsenal game. It just so happened that he pissed Laurent Koscielny off so much last season that he showed up to just destroy Acosta's game in its entirety. And it was just the most (laughs) phenomenal defensive. Him and uh, Mustafi looked so good. Yeah, they did it. They squashed it. Costa didn't have uh, Gabriel around to fool this year. I think that was helpful. Yeah, no, the, the dim-witted Gabriel. <laughs> but yeah, I would I would keep them. The only the only thing I would say to that is if you're triggering triggering your wild card this week, and I'm trying to I, I guess it's just for people who are trying to get Aguero in who 
who waited uh, an extra week. If you're triggering your wild card, I would dump the Chelsea assets. But I wouldn't go out of my way to get rid of Hazard or Costa, like you said, ahead of that whole match because they could show up and put three or four past them easy. I think so too, uh, but I also think that uh, I wouldn't be uh, I wouldn't be bringing Chelsea players in just for this fixture. That's for sure. Oh God, no, no. I mean, we yeah. saw and you see that whole team how they performed against United. They stood so strong against uh, the United team when they were sort of in their their early season full full flight, and yeah. they they really stuck to their game plan. And I could see them nullifying Chelsea Chelsea just as easily. Or not I, not just easily, but they, I, I'm sure I'm sure there's Chelsea fans out there who know the answer to this, but I I can't really. I'm looking at uh, Bacchiaoui's minutes right now, and I'm a little shocked by how. So in the last, so in the, actually in the entire season. All right, let me run through the entire the total number of minutes that he's played for all six matches. Okay, you ready? Yeah. Six six minutes, eighteen minutes, eleven minutes, three minutes, zero minutes, twenty minutes. <laughs> all told that is that is almost one half of football in the first yeah. six matches i know he's young but he's looked so good in extended run-ins and i i know you know i just i'm surprised that he's not getting more play I mean, especially in that uh that swansea match it seems like they really could have used him in that match you know they played three minutes there conte is seems to be a little bit out to lunch in terms of adapting this team to what's what they're facing in the league and i think he you know he's a famous defensive-minded manager from that Italian school, and he is trying to play a holistic defensive uh, tech way with yeah. a bunch of players that don't want to play defense. Uh, it's, it's just an interesting thing. I mean, I, I, I guess I'm sure so you may as well I mean, just I, go all out attack and, br- like you're saying, bring in yeah. guys like Bashwawi and uh, just go for it. And I do think he'll figure it out eventually. I mean, you know, I know last year with uh, with with Juve, they you know they started slowly, and then by the end of the season, they were totally rolling. So, I, you know, you can certainly I, I trust him to figure it out eventually. But I mean, you almost wonder if he's giving he's, he's letting these players sort of play just to they're all kind of getting one last shot before they all start getting dropped. I mean, there was there were some rumors that that was why you know Mourinho you know played Wayne Rooney in that Man U Man City match, and he remember he was so poor that it finally gave like it was it was so poor and it was in such a big spotlight that it finally gave him the excuse to drop Rooney right. because every, everybody saw it, everybody saw the way that he you know totally clogged up that midfield, and you know as a result you know now you know Juan Mata is basically playing in Wayne Rooney's role. I mean, you could argue Pogba is depending on which era of Rooney we're talking about here. Uh, but it's a completely different, Rooney. <laughs> but it's a completely different squad, right? I mean, they throw four goals down in the first half of that match. Yeah. I, that, that's a little conspiratorial. If you ask me, maybe, maybe anyway, we've got some business to take care of here real quick, Josh, we have to run through the top 10 of the hail cheaters, super league before we get, get on with the pod. So let's do that real quick. Give our, give our loyal listeners their, uh, their shout out. Number one, never Fergie me, Adam Lamb. He's in first place. And I believe it's a new number one. New number one. 67 points on the game week. Number two, Lads on Torre, Nick Forster's team. In number three, Tekker Slovakia. That's Adam Jacques' squad. In four, BTSTU, Mitch Maynard, our uh, Photoshop king, there on our Facebook page. And Spleep Splorb in number five, Gloria Prieto. She had 58 points on the week. Uh, Slightly disappointing, perhaps, if you're with with what the numbers Gloria has been putting up since yeah, game week on, one. Come on, Gloria, pull it together. 
Number six, the cuddly koalas, David Fellheim squad. He, he couldn't meet Gloria this time, though, 57 <laughs> points on, on the game week. That's why you're in number six, David. Number seven, no-hit wonders, double star. That's Dimitri Vanderreek's team. I wonder if he's any relation to Reek from Game of, Game of Thrones. Do you, do you imagine? Uh, I do. Yeah, I'm, I'm certain. <laughs> In eighth place, Catch Me If Coon Can, uh, one of your favorite Tom Hanks movies. Isn't that right? That is right. You got it. People often forget that Tom Hanks is in Catch Me If You Can. They, they Hand ready. He's wonderful. Pitch it as a Leonardo DiCaprio movie. No, not so. That uh, is one of the most underrated Steven Spielberg movies. I would put that right up there in Steven Spielberg's top five. It's Fantastic one of those movie. movies where if it's ever on TV, you're watching it. All the way through. Right up so there good. with Uncle Buck. <laughs> Ninth place, Flying Without Mings, Oliver Monk's squad. He had 68 points on the week. And we have a tie for 10th place, Josh. You know what's interesting here, though, Brandon, just to j- jump in? I, yeah. It looks like ninth and 10th are also tied. Why, why, is, why is Oliver Monk's... Uh, in ninth place with 381 and yeah that's a good question yeah strange i think it i think it comes down to various tiebreakers i think one of the tiebreakers is how many transfers you've made throughout the course of the Uh, season or on the week so that might be what's separating uh nine and our tie for 10th place suarez fab victor fabry's team he is one of our 10th place finishers with with the big score of 84 points. Now I was like, mm. how did Victor go and score 84 points? Well, here's a little here's a little tip for you. Get clean sheets. <laughs> and uh, our other number 10 finisher Payet forward Roger Greaves team and he had a he he survived the gauntlet with just 44 points. He did worse than you did, Josh. <laughs> hey, I got 51. <laughs> I I have I have some green arrows. It could have been worse. I did Captain Aguero at least. <laughs> so well, well done to everyone who finishes in the top 10 this week in the Hell Cheaters Super League. As we tell you each and every week, you can still join our league. Just go to alwayscheating.com and click on the league tab or on all of our social media pages. You've got the, the league code right there. So, so please join and have fun. Oh, have fun. As much fun as you can. I, I'm trying to have more fun. After last week's podcast, I, I, the, the, the joy was gone a little bit. I tried to, I tried to have some fun. I, I, our friend of the podcast, actually, a, a Trevor, the, a couple that is in our, our personal fantasy league, uh, came over on Saturday morning. And, uh, <laughs> Such we a had, domestic we, life we lead. It was very actually. It's funny because we showed them all our. It was very domestic. We showed all our, like our whole like our nursery, uh, but they came over and we watched the matches. And Stephanie uh, actually had written her new blog post on the Ephus. Um, I can't remember the name of the. Do you remember what the name of it is? I, I feel like we should have. It's that. called Friday Night Plights. Yeah, right, and, you, okay. and you can you can read Stephanie's column Friday Night Plights, which is all about making uninformed transfer decisions on Friday night and. <laughs> You read that guess, at ephusmag.com, E-E-P-H-U-S. But I, I guess in this case, she actually woke up at 6 o'clock in the morning on Saturday. To, just like we were talking about earlier, actually. So she could do what I can't, but she also has a long commute in the morning, so she's used to it. Anyway, um, I had some fun this week. Uh, you know who didn't have fun? Our two meltdowns of the week. Number one, Trevor. What of the I two like, people? I, was feel like, I feel like you were going to make a point about them coming over and you – Having oh, um, just that it's more fun uh, when you have people to uh, watch matches with oh. and uh, and rant to. And when you're like when you watch like at, at the very least, I like to keep up an active Twitter conversation. If it's just me by myself and I'm not even really posting on Twitter and I'm just watching the matches and I'm kind of feeling bad about myself because yeah. I've made bad mistakes <laughs> my team then i'm like this is really not worth it like i could be like it's like a you know especially like in the summer you know the matches start and it's yeah. it's august and it's like 84 and sunny outside and you've passed up like 
an invitation to go to Governor's Island for the day <laughs> so you can watch, you know, week three fixtures. Yeah. Uh, that's that's when the game is less fun. Uh, but it yeah, is, I'm, it's I'm, a conjuring ima- <laughs> I'm conjuring images of myself alone in my living, my tiny New York apartment living room with no windows, <laughs> with a blanket over my head watching these games. <laughs> my wife, Leela, walks through the room, says, how are the games going? And I say, not good. And then that's the end of the <laughs> Yeah, so I think it's important what you're saying, Josh, is to get out there and mix it up with some people, your fellow human beings. Have fun. Yeah, go to a bar. Even if you don't drink, go to a bar and have a cup of coffee or something. Uh, get, get, a, get a nice English breakfast. Uh, all right, two meltdowns this week. Trevor Ingerson was actually over, and he, he had a tough week. He, he burned four points. Uh, he did bring in Aguero, uh, and he, he made a move for Nacer Chadley, which um, you know, really didn't pan out. We were, we were kind of laughing about it before the podcast started, but, yeah, it really was a reasonable move to make. I mean, Chadler, Chadley had a huge numbers. Um, you two know, goals, then, two assists yeah, the previous yeah, week. Before. And they're going to Stoke, who has been leaking goals all year. So, yeah, uh, yeah and then gave up a very bad goal at the end of that match. Uh, Trevor said, uh, this is on Twitter, actually, says, does anybody in FPL have a good hammy right now? No, I think you have to go to Denny's 24-hour diner to get a good uh, hammy. They have this wonderful hammy. meal deal called Moons Over My Hammy. That's true. My mouth and, is uh, Shane Deere says, uh, I took a 20-point rage hit midway through the current game week. Is that even possible? A 20-point rage hit? (laughs) I don't. uh, Surely Shane's pulling our leg here. I wonder if he is. But I think that you can – if you have not played your wild card – uh, and if you, if you take like a, like a five, if you take like, like a five point num- minus 20 hit, but then you hit the play wildcard button, I think the minus 20 then does, does it, it, it erases it's, itself. Yes. Yes. So like, Shane, sure. if you haven't already played your wild card, please, for the love of God, go trigger your wild card. Yeah. There was a lot of rage transfers this week. A lot of frustration. I think the, uh, the injuries took their toll and, uh, there's some rotation and I mean, the, the Lamella thing is very surprising. I really thought that, uh, I thought by now he'd be back in the rotation. I'm surprised that he's come off the bench three weeks in a row. I guess well, Son um, is just on fire yeah, right now, I and I think that's is. contributing to it. And, yeah. Uh, Erickson is doing his classic FPL thing where he's putting up incredible stats, but doesn't yeah. necessarily have a lot of FPL points to show for it. I know. It's frustrating. Uh, all right, Brandon, let's take a quick break. And we have uh, three topics we're going to discuss in this week's podcast, in addition to like the 12 we've already discussed. Uh, one is uh, the first thing is an Arsenal Liverpool midfield comparison. Second one is a clean sheet update slash clean sheet discussion. And the third is um, uh, a Q&A about should you drop the following disappointing players? If so, when should you drop them? Let's take a break first. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Same podcast, All right, Brandon, we're back. And uh, the first topic I want to talk about is a, um, a lot of people uh, owned KDB, uh, and uh, now he's injured for four weeks. We're going to be looking for a replacement for him. Uh, a lot of people want to get in on the Arsenal uh, bandwagon, and they want to get in on the Liverpool bandwagon because uh, those teams are showing um, a lot of strength of the midfield, a lot of goals, a lot of assists are coming through that midfield. And so we thought, um, instead of just instead of covering everybody, which is just too much, too much to talk about, uh, we did a uh, we, we we pulled together the Opta stats on Arsenal and Liverpool midfielders. And so we want to do a quick uh, Arsenal Liverpool midfield comparison. We actually have a couple questions here as well. Uh, but let's let's talk first. So I, I went in and I pulled um, just a few different stats for uh, for the the key mid midfielders on Arsenal Liverpool. I pulled assists, uh, big chances, chances created, successful crosses, 
Goal attempts, goals, shots, shots on target, and touches in the final third. Um, and looking at this data, I think there are two players that that really jump out to me. Uh, one is uh, Philippe Coutinho, and the other one is Alexis Sanchez. Surprise, surprise. Though um, the biggest number here I see is Roberto Firmino. Roberto Firmino. Roberto Firmino. <laughs> 19 chances created, and that is uh, yeah. at least seven yeah. higher than uh, the closest player, Ozil and Coutinho, only with 12 chances created. So, but but this is the only area in which Firmino tops the charts. It's true. I, I suppose I wish I would have pulled this data before. Now, now, granted, everything's a little skewed because Sanchez had a goal and assist in the last match. Coutinho had, what, a goal and two assists in the match? Something like that? I think it was just one goal and one assist. One goal and one assist, right? The assist. And actually, I'm not even sure if Opta counts the assist because it was the handball. You know, it's a little... Anyway, let's, you know... Actually, I think they do because it's called they call it fantasy stats, so it's sort of a slightly different thing. Right. Uh, so, um, in terms of big chances, uh, the leader in that category is a little surprising to me. It's actually Theo Walcott, and I've been thinking a lot about Walcott the last couple of days. You know, Walcott did well. Just you know, part of it is I, I do think the longer you play this game, the more bias sets in, and you know, we we know. I mean, it's sort of like the way that everyone was jumping on the. Uh, um, on the Ross Barkley bandwagon, you know, the first week or two of the season. And you and I were sort of laughing about it. Like, well, you can't bring in Ross Barkley because he has two weeks on and then it's like 10 weeks off, you know, and it's sort of. Yeah, guess who uh, I'm stuck with right now. <laughs> but, but, you knew it was a bad decision when you were making it. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but Theo Wilcott is a player who, you know, I don't know how long it's going to last because I do think that when Aaron Ramsey is, is, is back and healthy, I, I do. I think there's some competition for that for that spot, but uh, Walcott's delivering right now. I mean, the, the most big chances created, uh, scored three goals in the season already. He's actually the he's in second. So we pulled. Um, it's actually ten players total. It's uh, four players from Arsenal and six from Liverpool. Shows how strong Liverpool are. There are actually six players who are worthy of talking about here. Uh, but he of these ten players that we pulled, he's actually second in um, in total goal attempts, which is a little surprising to me. Actually, a little higher than I would have expected. Walcott has to be on the table right now, $7.5 million. Uh, that he's So he's the same price as Cazorla. Right. Actually, so Cazorla is a little more expensive. But Walcott, recency bias, looks like such a better buy than Cazorla right now. He was so active up front against Chelsea. And even if Ramsey comes back, he's not going to take that spot right away. Right now, Theo Walcott is, is working hard enough and getting the results to keep that starting berth until until his stats start to wane and they might not they i mean he's 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 always been a great player it's just he's never really been able to right before remember when he got injured in the fa cup and the uh the 2-0 uh, arsenal win over um over spurs yes. remember that and he held yes. up the two and that was when that happened that was right when he was playing the best he ever played in his career it was really yeah. bad luck really you know, poor so anyway uh he has he's second in shots he's actually he's number one uh in terms of these players we pulled in terms of shots on target uh he has three more shots on target than coutinho and sanchez who are um, tied for second uh so yeah i think that you know it's interesting actually because i'm thinking about making a midfield transfer uh for this game week, and you know, Walcott may be a really interesting option. I mean, Arsenal has a great run of fixtures coming up. He's really undervalued at seven point five. I mean, you know, not undervalued given his performance last year. 
7.5 was probably a fair price. I mean, you know, for some reason, only Daniel Sturridge gets priced based on what they think he might be able to do at his best. Daniel right. Sturridge is always 10 million or more for reasons we don't really understand. Right. Uh, but at 7.5, I think you're right. I think he's kind of a steal. Who else stands out to you? Who jumps out to you in this in this? Well, I'm, I was curious to see what the stats were going to be for Awobi because he seems to be uh, hitting a bit of a bandwagon stride right now. He's really cheap, $5.8 million, but he, I guess he's, you would have guessed, he's low man on every single one of these stats, save assists. And he hasn't played enough minutes. I guess that's part of the problem. Yeah. He is... He's weirdly integral to that Arsenal attack, but also invisible at the same time. Maybe he's just less flashy than guys like Ozil. But I am not tempted by Awobi at all. And I think if anyone's on the bubble, if rotation starts to happen with Arsenal, it would probably be Awobi. Yeah. But then Lallana. So Lallana is the, the big ticket guy right now. He's coming off of a massive game week. And these numbers don't really recommend him. Uh, I mean, I guess goal attempts, he's pretty high up with 15, and it looks like, I mean, the average on these goal attempts is probably right around, like, somewhere between 15 and... 12 to 15, yeah. yeah. Um, But Lalana is still a guy where I would say the eye test, just watching him this, this whole season, he is, he's just weirdly in the eye of that Liverpool offensive storm. Yeah. Let me, let me throw a number out to you that surprised me a little bit, uh, Touches in the final third, James Milner is actually third in this category, which surprised me a little bit because Milner, is, I believe, has been playing as a left back at least since game week two, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Yes. So for him to be third in touches in the final third means he's certainly rampaging yeah. left back. He's certainly, certainly getting forward a lot. Um, and he's on penalties. And, and you know, given you know the crackdown on on fouls in the box this year, especially on you know corners, uh, at six point five million, he's he's really not a bad option. I hadn't really even considered him until he picked up, you know, two goals in the in this match. But you know, if he's going to be in, if he's going to be this involved, and he also um, he actually is tied for second in uh, chances created. Um, Firmino's at the top, and then Ozil and Coutinho, Ozil, Coutinho, and Milner are all tied with twelve chances Isn't created that each. Crazy that James Milner rates as high. As as Ozil, Mesut Ozil for chances created. Yeah, it's it is very surprising. The yeah. annoying thing about Milner is, as you said, he's playing a defensive role, but he's not going to get any clean sheet points. Like he's right. he's, he's sort of that that rampaging win, wing back where you want to be getting a clean sheet and an assist from him and, and coming away with like twelve to fifteen points. Yeah, but but I, it's still at six point five. If you're looking like say I need to downgrade Ross Barkley. Uh, to right. do something with my defense, James Milner definitely would be in the conversation. Absolutely, and uh, and, and maybe over someone like a Wobi, especially now when you're comparing the, the stats like this. Uh, I think that yeah. So I think uh, Walcott's. I mean, I guess if we were talking about just straight, you know, sort of just overall points, like regardless of money, uh, Alexis Sanchez is certainly the winner in this category. I think. Um, you know, he's right. He's just he's he's up there in every single one of the categories. He's, you know, second in big chances. He's, uh, you know, third in goal attempts. He's uh, first in terms of total goals. He's uh, third in shots. He's uh, second in shots on target. He's second in total in terms of touches in the final third. So it's, it's not that he's necessarily the top in any of these categories, but he's at the top in every single category. Right. Uh, so he just absolutely integral to that offense. And, you know, as long as they continue to not play a, a striker or play him as a striker, uh, he's incredible value. And it's just that, that price tag is just something you have to, 
decide if you can handle, you know. Uh, but if I if I'm about to downgrade Zlatan to yeah, someone like Charlie Austin, you know, yeah, um, you know who. Yeah, I mean, you know, their fixtures aren't great right now, but let's just say long term, yeah. I, I moved to someone like right. him. Uh, that frees up five million, uh, and with the with the, with the way that Etienne Capoue's price keeps keeps rising every game week, I'll, pr- I'll pretty soon. Yeah, exactly. I think he's already he's up he's up to what five point one or five point two already. Yeah. Uh, so you know, or you can turn you know some six million midfielder into uh, into Sanchez. So I, I do think it's. Uh, I think you can certainly do your, you know, build your team around uh, a Sanchez, Aguero, Pivot. All these Coutinho numbers just show me if he actually could stay healthy and played regularly, he would be priced at ten point five. He'd be Eden Hazard. I wish that incredible, yeah. but he he is always a rotation threat. So that's I think it was like what we were saying about Raheem Sterling last week. Coutinho, if you're thinking about investing in him, go for it. There will be weeks where he only comes in for 15 minutes where he doesn't play, but the, he will put in those performances on a by-game-week basis that justify right. you having him in your team. Totally agree. Uh, I've got a couple questions here. Uh, El Magico says, uh, for $16 million, would you rather have Sanchez and a sub-$5 million defender or Ozil and Bellerin? Ozil and Bellerin, I... I mean, maybe because I have Ozil and he is starting to, I feel like he, even when Arsenal hasn't looked at their best in the last few game weeks, Ozil is, still seems to be uh, playing well. Yeah, and, and I think that, I think the key consideration here is that the Arsenal defense looks like a defense that's capable of keeping clean sheets. Yeah. And they're one of the only defenses for, capable of keeping a clean sheet. So yeah. I think that's what really tilts it more than anything else. They completely suffocated Chelsea. And uh, if they if they keep that up, yeah, you're going to get so many points off Bellerin. And that uh, that sprint that Bellerin had to catch, uh, was it? Uh, oh, it was Pedro. Just came out of nowhere to tackle Pedro when he's in on goal. And uh, a guy in that kind of form with that kind of pace just like reminded yeah. me of how awesome Bellerin is. All right, next question comes from Dave Wegner Lodal, I assume this is. Yep, and uh, he was comparing Coutinho and Lalana. And he said uh, he feels like Coutinho is the safe option and maybe the better option. Uh, but then again, he has 30% ownership compared to Alana's, uh, Alana, uh, compared to Lalana's 11%. What if Lalana's girlfriend was named Alana? Alana, Alana, Alana. That was pretty good. I didn't <laughs> laugh, but I did. I did appreciate that was not terrible. You don't have to congratulate me every time I make a good joke on the uh, podcast. I, I, I should. I feel. I feel bad when I don't laugh, and so I feel like I have to say something. Leave that to the listener. I, it just depends on how your team's constructed. I think uh, if you have. I mean, Coutinho is not that much more expensive, and given what we just looked at with these numbers, it absolutely seems to me like Coutinho is worth the extra million. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. The th- it sort of it also comes down to how you like to play the game. Lalana looks very safe and secure in that starting eleven. Coutinho is a much more. I mean, this is why you like Coutinho because he's much more explosive. But because of that, he he needs to be protected in Klopp's system yep. and Lalana Klopp clearly loves him and he's ready to start him game week in game week out. Uh, so if you're, if you're the, a nervous manager and you, and you get kind of scared about, about playing time, maybe it'll be more fun to have Lalana in your team because he'll get more minutes and he'll be a little more in, involved on a regular basis. So that, that would be the case I would make for Lalana. Okay. Yeah. I think that, um, 
I, yeah, I mean, I, I, I hear what you're saying. I think that, um, I don't, I tend to be a slightly riskier player. And so I think, uh, I think I'd be okay with the, with the, with the, uh, Anxiety that owning Coutinho would inspire. <laughs> yeah, let's be clear. History would 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 tell you that Coutinho is going to or is going to produce on a more regular, on a more reliable basis than the long. Yeah, run. He, he's just he's streakier on a, on a he's like an amped up uh, Ross Barkley. You know, I mean, yeah. he's both players will give you goals and, and assists in huge like chunks of time. Uh, it's just that when Coutinho does it, he can get like fifteen points for three weeks in a row. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Barry Johnson asks on Twitter, how many Liverpool midfielders is too many Liverpool midfielders? I love this question. I think I, I, two is not too many, maybe even three. I, <laughs> I mean, they've got a, a really good run of fixtures coming up. Uh, let's, let's look at their fixtures for the next few weeks. Uh, Swansea, uh, Swansea away, which is a great fixture. Man United at home. Okay. Uh, West Brom at home, good fixture. Crystal Palace away, good fixture. Watford home, good fixture. Uh, I mean, four of their next five fixtures are very strong. And the Man United one, I wouldn't be scared of either because, uh, you know, we've seen the way they've attacked teams like Arsenal and Chelsea already. I mean, they, yeah. you know, they're going to they're gonna put it on the front foot. So there are two other teams I would consider getting doubling up on the midfield. It would be Arsenal, which you kind of can't, well... I feel like if you double up with Arsenal, you'd want Sanchez to be one of those, and then it sort of becomes a real price um, inefficiency. Yeah, it's like Twenty million dollars, yeah. yeah. And then the other is Manchester City, where it's similar price issues, but also with City, there's so much rotation, and the points get spread around. And I don't quite know how to explain it, but the the yeah. point distribution in that City midfield is a little more chaotic than I think it is in well, Arsenal or or. Liverpool, it seems much more um, sort of a, a team midfield where there's an e- more even distribution of points. I mean, you have Firmino, yeah. even though he didn't get on the score or assist sheet this past game week, you're still feeling fantastic having Firmino going into that Swansea game. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I think if, if KDB were healthy, you could certainly make an argument that KDB and uh, Raheem Sterling are a, a very strong two-person combination. But I, I, I get your larger point. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Yeah. Uh, so yeah, a lot to think about here. I think that, um, yeah, I mean, who, who would we avoid of this, of this group of, I mean, based solely on the numbers, I guess the players we wouldn't really consider would be Cazorla, Mane, um, (laughs) honestly, probably Firmino, unless you, if you, if you, if you ignore the chances created. Yeah. So it's, it's strange. I'm, I'm just so shocked that, that Mane's stats don't compete with the rest of these guys because he looks so good. But there you have it. All right. Uh, point number two, two of three. We're moving very swiftly in this podcast, Brennan. I like it. Blowing my hair back. I want, to talk so about, I want to talk about clean sheets here. Uh, continuing the, up, the update that we've been doing the last uh, several weeks in the podcast. And uh, I know a lot of other people are doing this as well. I'd like to think that we were first. And if, if we weren't first, at the very least, we came to the idea to do this independently of anybody else. We did it best, Josh. Uh, <laughs> so uh, clean sheets, are they down this year? Uh, they continue to be down this year. Uh, we had two less in the last two seasons. Uh, through uh, what would be 120 total opportunities for clean sheets, we only have 25 this year, uh, which is a 21% clean sheet rate. Uh, that is 12% lower than last year, which is 33%, and 8% lower than the year before. So, I mean, through six weeks, we're, we're seeing a very dramatic drop, and for all the reasons we've already talked about, but it's just yeah. interesting to see it continue to happen. So Scott Gill says, 
Uh, in protest, the scar- uh, scarce clean sheets, we just give up on fielding anyone over $5 million in our defense and put the money elsewhere. It's well, yeah. Scott has a good point, and there there are lots of players to spend money on in in the attack and in the midfield. But still, I think this is where a guy like Bellerin becomes that much more valuable, particularly if Arsenal starts hitting a run of clean sheets. That's six point five million. That is probably going to be some of the best spent money in your entire squad. So maybe maybe the way. The way you rationalize is you get one. You limit yourself to one premium defender. Like right now I have Luke Shaw and I have Kyle Walker. Now, I guess you could argue how premium either of those guys are. But they're they're at least they're both at least five point five. And that might be too much money to be spending on these guys where I'm going to end up with one or two points from them or zero from Luke Shaw. Yeah. Week on week. It's it's crazy, these outliers in game week two and three, seven clean sheets, five clean sheets. Elsewhere, it's two, three, four, four, just like totally dismal. It's shocking. Well, you have De Gea, too, who might as well count as a premium defender. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's sure. it's a it's a strange thing what's happening right now with with Man U and their clean sheets. I mean, you know, we, I, the um, the Man City match was one thing. I mean, I think that we all um, we all thought that was it was going to be tough to keep, keep a clean sheet there. But, uh, you know, Watford and Leicester, I mean, those are that is not encouraging. So for all the talk about how like the one guaranteed clean sheet was Man United, I mean, we've only seen two out of the first six matches. And, uh, you know, I mean, you could argue that the Demarty Gray goal was a kind of a fluky goal, but. I mean, he had the he had the space to create it. Yeah, Juan Mata was just standing there doing nothing. Yeah, and he needed to move into that space and shut him down. But it was was a worldie of a shot. Jeff Petter just says, "Where are all the clean sheets?" (laughs) Answer is, we don't know. Uh, Lazaro says, uh, who's your favorite cheap nailed on defender? Asking for a George friend. His name may be Holobos. Discuss. <laughs> well, this question was clearly sent to us before Holobos ended up getting a zero against Burnley. <laughs> I guess that, that probably will end up being a bit of a fluke result for Watford. But additionally, I, we, we were, we were yeah. kind of talking before we started recording that how insane it was, the flurry of Watford discussion that happened at the end of last <laughs> week. Everyone yeah. on their wild card saying to their team, they're like, should I get Dini and a Gallo? And Holobos, yeah, it was, it was amazing to watch Holobos emerge as a as a candidate. Like, yeah, I mean, who was even talking about Holobos before game week six? I don't remember anybody talking about Holobos. No, I was I was all proddle all the way, Josh. You know this. You love you love Bassy Proddle. You always have. <laughs> I'm a sucker for a for a silly old top knot. <laughs> uh, my f- my favorite cheap nailed on defender. Well, I-, I guess there's a little bit of bias here, but you know I did bring in Trevor Francis. My only clean sheet this week came from uh, Bournemouth, and this is actually not the match I expected to get the clean sheet from him. Um, it was uh, you know home to Everton, but they they played well. They're looking a little better. I I like Bournemouth. I'm you know I was happy that. I was happy they won. I mean, the fantasy thing was kind of annoying because I, I was certainly expecting points from Lukaku in this match, but um, but it kind of worked out okay in the end because I got the clean sheet from Francis, and he's he's available for four point nine. They've kept clean sheets in two of the last three fixtures. Uh, did I say four point nine? He's four point five. Right. Uh, clean sheets in two of the last three fixtures, and now they're about to play uh, Watford away, Hull at home. Uh, they have Spurs at home, which is a fixture, but then they have Middlesbrough away, Sunderland at home, Stoke away. Uh, I see possibly maybe three clean sheets in those, in those six matches. So 
you know, I think he's a pretty he's a pretty valuable option at four point five. And the Bournemouth defense from last season was just incredible. Charlie Daniels hasn't really gotten off the mark yet this season, but every single one of those guys in the back line last season yeah. at least came up with a few goals, a few assists, and they're they're bargains. It's always hard to know which one to pick. I mean, Adam Smith uh, is only available. He's only point one more. He's at four point six, and he has a goal and an assist on the season. Uh, you know, I haven't looked at all the underlying stats for the Bournemouth mid- the defenders, so I can't say that one is clearly better than the other. I mean, we know that Daniels is on uh, is on pens, or at least he was last year. I don't know if I've had a penalty yet this year, uh, but he has uh, no goals or no assists and no assists this season. I think um, in terms of bonus points, is all kind of a wash as well. So. Um, I mean, is there is there a single Bournemouth defender that you'd pick out of this? I mean, Simon Francis I had last season, and he he performed well for me. I, it's it. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. See, I haven't watched enough Bournemouth to to actually speak uh, intelligently about it. So I would just say whoever's cheapest. Yeah, that's why I picked Francis. Uh, what about you? you have a favorite four point five million? I find this. I find this to be kind of an impossible question to answer. I, I mean. It's a leading question because I do think George Friend is a fantastic pickup. The way the way he has performed for that squad, he does seem to be the engine for that team. And when Middlesbrough needs somebody to get fired up, he will get fired up. In that Everton game, he there was a there was a period in like the 85th minute where Friend just started chasing the ball around wherever it went because he, yeah. he, he just wanted to do something to lift his team up. And he's there putting in great crosses. And uh, yeah. I, I do think he's a great, great pick. I do want to take the, this. The only, con, the only the only concern there is, you know, there are no clean sheets yet this season for Middlesbrough. And actually, no, that's, that's true. They have one, which is away to West Brom. Uh, Friend didn't play in that match. Uh, ben Gibson did, however. He's he did score this last game week. That's why so. I find this like an impossible question to answer because you're you're asking about the cheap clean sheets when there are no clean sheets. So uh, I I really don't know. I mean Gareth McCauley for yeah. uh, for West Brom is probably a, a, I mean he's up to four point eight now I think because people yeah. are so gung ho about that West Brom defense for a while. I think they'll 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 do the Pulis thing and start picking up clean sheets again so i think if if you're ready to invest in west brom do it now before they get priced get priced out of your team yeah johnny evans also at 4.5 on that team uh i think you know i brought in kone uh my wild card um for kind of the reasons you were just talking about i mean i don't see a lot of great clean sheets in that 4.5 million range but he's able he's you know he's capable of scoring the occasional goal and so that's like if you have a defender who can score at least a little bit it kind of it's almost like getting two extra clean sheets or a couple extra clean sheets on the season so i think that uh yeah i mean anyone with a little bit of attacking threat that's why daniels is so valuable unfortunately daniels is i guess he's only 4.9 so it's not it's not insane um it's not going to price you out too much these are all long-term investments too i i think the re- it's it's weird that we're seeing so few clean sheets right now but don't you think like at some point the whole cities are uh, of this league are going to exhaust themselves and we will start seeing more clean sheets and i do, i want to take a moment to sing a song of praise for virgil van dyke i don't understand why any of the top 4 teams haven't come in for this guy he is just so massive incredible totally totally agree i mean he has been so so good the last couple of weeks uh i love i love van dyke too i totally agree i mean it's just a it's a fantasy versus reality thing he's actually the fourth rated out of the fourth highest scoring defender on that southampton team right now with with 16 points but uh those those numbers in no way uh 
belie uh, how good of a defender so, he is. So maybe it's, a, maybe, maybe it's a good time to invest in Virgil van Dijk then because the price has dropped to 5.4. So, yeah. well, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't really have a lot to back that up. I'm just sort of going, yeah. back, to the, I mean, going back to your yeah. beloved futures market, Josh. The, the problem is they play, they play Leicester, Man City, and Chelsea in three of the next four matches. Um, and then Hall two matches after that. So it's just four really. By the way, I think the Premier League does need to start, or the, the FPL site needs to start updating these fixture difficulty rankings because yeah. uh, right now Southampton's home match to Liverpool in game week 12 is ready to three out of five. And to me, I would almost call that a five right now. I mean, yeah. given the way that given the way that Liverpool play on the road this season. So, yeah. yeah. Defense, it's perplexing. I, I I predict that we'll revert back to the mean at some point, and we won't be having this conversation for much longer. Yeah, I think prediction. you're right. Good prediction. And, yeah, I, I'm actually kicking myself for not bringing in Fraser Forrester with my wild card. I, I, talking about a consistent – well, I guess it's the same reason we talked about. Fixtures get, get are getting worse right now. But Yeah. yeah. So who, All are, right. who are your goalkeepers right now? <laughs> well – Oh, yeah. This, uh, is, this is going to be int- something interesting to talk about. You yeah. you made a bit of a maverick move with your goalkeeper. I, I did. It was like one of the few maverick moves I made. I, I just – I knew – so Loris Karius, you know, the, the news broke on Friday that he had uh, – he'd won his spot. Uh, he's considered a world-class goalkeeper, kind of a, like a young keeper on the rise. And uh, he was he, – he, his price had dropped to 4.9 and um, – I just love the upcoming fixtures for for Liverpool. I mean, for weeks and weeks and weeks, they're very good. And uh, but it just really came back to bite me because Hall had literally one scoring. I mean, I don't know about literally, but they, as far as I can remember, they had exactly one scoring, one corner kick in the entire match, and they scored on that one kick. Uh, t- totally ridiculous goal, bad clearance. Uh, and it immediately reminded me why you shouldn't be investing in Liverpool defenders. Uh, I mean, it could, and that was after the red card too, so it was even more frustrating. Right? You you probably thought you were you were home and clear when uh, Hall yeah, went I, down to ten men. I never allow myself to think that way when it comes to defender clean sheet points because yeah. something stupid like this happens. I mean, this is like you with the uh, with the Leicester match, right? When when uh, uh, when yeah, when uh, gray the gray goal goes in. Yeah, but I mean, they, Vardy and Mares get dropped at halftime, and it's four nothing. And you know, you know the the they have the the Champions League matches like two days later, and so you're like, all right, they're just kind of like punting on this match. Yeah. Uh, and the Gregor was such a fluky, you know. Yeah, so you never. Yeah, know. you've just you've just seen it happen so many times, so many times. I have the superstition where I won't. Uh, I I try. I don't. I'm not. I don't always stick to the super superstition, but I try to not refresh my points after the 60th minute to to <laughs> prematurely load clean sheet points because yeah. I feel like if I prematurely load those clean sheet points and look at them <laughs> on my on my team's page, they'll be, they'll t- be taken away from me. Totally. Uh, third point. Should you drop the following disappointing players? If so, when should you drop them? Uh, this is sort of um, we actually we only have a couple questions of this, but I feel like just the chatter that I'm seeing on Twitter and Facebook is a lot of um, there's a lot of panic about certain players, certain very expensive players that have been performing. In some cases, it seems a little a little over the top. I mean, you see someone like Dimitri Payet who. You know, scored nine points and ten points in game weeks four and five, and they have good fixtures coming up. And you know, he blanks in one tough match. I mean, Southampton were inspired in that match; they played great. Uh, that to me doesn't mean that Dimitri Payet is suddenly a bad option. I mean, he's a great option, especially at nine point four. He's it's a good price. Um, and even if they decide, just you know get a little tighter defensively, they're still going to run the whole attack through him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm not feeling as good about Payet as you are. 
because that West Ham team looks so awful right now. And they're letting in so many goals, you feel like that. I mean, I, I do think that if the pressure on Billich is to tighten up that defense, that it is going to impact Pyatt. He can't do it all on his own. He can't do it all on his own with a guy yeah. like Zsa who does not look entirely equipped to be a striker in the Premier League just yet. But what can they do when, when all of their – so many of their defenders are injured right now? I mean yeah. – you know, I think I think they're on their third string uh, left back right now, or right. What is what is Cresswell play? Is he left or right back? I can't remember. He's on the uh, left. He's on so, the left. So, so what yeah, you're Cresswell saying is, and his replacement are they have to outscore teams? I think. Right. Until, so then until, it becomes they, they, they go with the the Brendan Rodgers tactic of of just outscoring their opponent. I mean, I, it, it I makes sense. So I can yeah. see it happen. Yeah, I mean, a, a coach would never say that, right? You can never go out there and say we don't care about our defense or we're not going to worry about tightening it up. But right. I don't think they. I don't think that. You know, a bunch of one nil wins are really in the offing for them right now. I mean, what is Pyatt's? Pyatt is what is his ownership right now? Like, I feel like there's been he, everyone kind of got screwed because he went on that two game week run of of getting those assists, and I, I think a lot of people yeah. brought him in and that still pretty low. He's at he's at thirteen point six percent. Um, and he has, uh, so, so far he has, he has no goals this season. He has four assists and, uh, that was two, two games with back-to-back assists. And, uh, I uh, had one, one bonus point and two bonus points in uh, those two matches. So here's a, you know, he's, he's a, they keep climbing, but it's, it's still not that high. I mean, he's still, you know, owned by, I mean, less than 15% is always, you know, is I, that to me is a, is a differential less than 15, a slight unknown about Pyatt. So last season, West Ham was just, they played great for pretty much the entire season and Pyatt was integral to that and it was pretty much positive vibes all around last season on Upton Park flying high qualifying for the Europa League I'm curious to see how Pyatt reacts in a team that is in disarray and is not playing well is he going to be the type of player that steps up and tries to carry this team on his back or is he going to get frustrated and become withdrawn I think you could start to see a few cracks um in this game against Southampton, yeah. so I mean, I'm sure they're I'm sure they're frustrated, but I, he's a mature player. I mean, I, I was he 29. He's he's got a man's body, as we all know. Yep, he's a real man. He's a real man. Yeah, yeah. I'm not I'm not I'm not totally losing my faith in Pyatt, but I I am wary of him as an FPL player right now. Yeah, fair enough. All right, so we talked about Pyatt. Uh, we jumped. We had, he was actually at the bottom of the list, but we'll let's we'll jump back up to the top. Uh, player at the top is uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Uh, four goals and one assist in the season. His price has been dropping, uh, not from where it was at the start, but but I think he's down to maybe eleven seven now. Yeah, currently uh, he's putting up Farfignugan numbers, so uh, it's not good. Well, just uh, yeah, I, he's not getting bonus points, and he's. I mean, at his price, you need something approaching Aguero numbers, right? Yeah, right. At eleven point five, given that there are a lot of scoring options in that seven, eight, nine million range. So next six, uh, it's at Stoke at home, game week six, and then it, it really, I don't know. It's a mixed bag, actually. Yeah. I mean, you know, Burnley home and Swansea away in game weeks, uh, I guess that'd be 10 and 11 are both pretty good fixtures. But uh, Liverpool away, I mean, hard to Chelsea away, hard to predict. Uh, Arsenal at home, not a not a great fixture. Mm-hmm. Kind of seems like the kind of player who might do well in those kinds of fixtures, though. I wonder if he might step it up a little bit in a big match like that. So Eber's not doing himself any favors. He's got that sort of mesodosal disease where when he's not playing well, his body language uh really looks 
sluggish and disinterested. And I think a lot of people are responding. I I am responding to it as well. He's he doesn't look like he's 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 sprinting for the team a lot. And and when he gets frustrated, he just he has that uh, demeanor of somebody who is not going to do anything for you. Yeah, yeah. All that said, um, I'm going to keep him for the on uh, for the undetermined future. I have no plans to get rid of him. I would think about getting rid of him after game week six. If he blanks in game week six, I really would think about getting rid of him because um, that would be just it'd be one too many blanks against poor opponents. And mm-hmm. even even if he's able to pick up a goal here and there away to Liverpool, away to Chelsea, it's it's not like this guy's a bonus point machine so far in the season. So, yeah, I think that I mean, actually, I, I shouldn't say that because he's actually picked up six bonus points, picked up three bonus points twice now, I believe. But, um, yeah, it's a little um, it's a little worrying uh, at that price. It's it's we're not getting the return that we expected, especially with Marcus Rashford doing great uh, yeah. for several million cheaper. So it, for me to get rid of Ibra, it would take two moves because I am fairly I don't feel restricted in my midfield at the moment. I mean, K, KDB being injured really helps me there. Who I really need to upgrade is Sam Vokes. Farfagnugan. So if I get rid of Ibra, it would be to upgrade my front line. So I think what you do with Ibra largely depends on where you're hurting in your team. And right. like if, if you've got a if you've got that full throttle front line, Lukaku, Brock Toon, and Ibra, like you do, yeah, it, it's probably more a little more urgent for you. Yeah, perhaps. Uh, so who are you looking at bringing in for uh, for Vokes? I mean, do you, how much money do you have in your bank? I have point nine in my bank right now, so I mean that's that's Troy Deeney money right there, and that's exactly who I was thinking. I don't know if I'm ready to bring in Troy Deeney right now. The way my team is, the set. great Brazilian Troy Deeney, <laughs> yeah. known by one name across all the land, Troy Deeney. <laughs> I the way my team is set up for game week seven right now is I'm benching Vokes and I'm playing five yeah. in the midfield, and I. With Vokes being playing up front alone right now with Gray's absence, that's good enough for me to at least put him on on the bench. Um, I don't feel like I'd be getting any more with Troy Deeney than mm-hmm. than I am with Vokes at the moment. I mean, that's me sort of trying to make myself feel a little bit better. But yeah, I, I, so that's what I'm saying. I need to sell Ebra to get a little bit more money in the bank to turn Vokes into somebody call a little more quality, like like, say, Christian Benteke, or or even if Lukaku gets back into the goals, I'd want to I'd want to look into getting him. Watford have a good run of fixtures coming up, so I, I don't think that Dini is uh, is a bad option at all. I mean, uh, that, that that to me is the clear move, in fact. Um, yeah. But, I mean, let's look at their next run of fixtures. I mean, they're, they're, they're home to Bournemouth, away to Middlesbrough, away to Swansea, home to Hull in the next four. Yeah. And pretty pretty solid. I mean, I was this close to turning Vokes into Dini for a minus four going into this week, but I just I really wanted to see how he played up yeah. front without Andre Gray. And Yeah, the great suspension actually helped you in that case. It does, yeah. I mean it keeps Vokes it keeps him valuable at least. I mean, am right. I the only person in FPL that owns this guy right now? <laughs> one of the one of like four. Okay, I I see that Vokes is not one of the guys that you have listed <laughs> here for do you do you drop? How long mm-hmm. how long do you hold on? Who's next? Uh Eden Hazard, two goals, one assist. 
Uh, we talked. I don't. I don't think we need to belabor Hazard too much because we talked about it at the top of the podcast. Uh, next six. Uh, let's just the next couple at least. We'll list our Hull away. Then they play Leicester at home, Man United at home, Southampton away in the next four. So uh, after Hull away, it's not a great run of fixtures. I mean, Leicester doesn't look as good this year, but it's still not a great fixture for them. Uh, Man U is not a great fixture. Uh, Southampton away is definitely not a good fixture, especially if their defense is playing the way it's it played against West Ham. Uh, so I think that uh, Hazard to me is a drop uh, after yes. game week six. Yes, absolutely. Agreed. All right, let's just let's just move on. I mean, Co- Costa, Costa is the one attacker on that team that I think you want to have at the moment if you haven't. Yeah, the price is better. Uh, Leicester defenders. Uh, interesting, interesting situation with the Leicester defenders. They uh, they have two clean sheets on the season. Uh, they're kind of expensive. Yeah. You know, I wish if they were a little cheaper, it'd be easier to hold on to these guys. Their next run of six fixtures is actually not too bad. It, there are a couple of tough way matches here, but you could start a Leicester, especially if you had someone like Fuchs. Uh, I'd be happy to start him at home to Southampton. Uh, way to Chelsea, not great, but then it's Crystal Palace at home, Spurs away. The way that Leicester's fixtures have worked out the entire season, they have alternated one good fixture, one bad fixture. Like for the first ten weeks, the first twelve weeks, right. every single time they have a good fixture, it's followed by a, a tough fixture afterwards. Yeah, I don't know why you would have a Leicester defender right now. How did yeah. you get yourself into the situation? Drop hey, you had sell. didn't you have didn't you have Morgan at the beginning of the season? I did. I dropped him after the first week, right before yeah, he scored a goal. <laughs> uh, what about Man City defenders? Uh, one clean sheet, and there's been some rotation. Yeah, that's a tough one. I mean, Stones the. Stones has screwed everybody, but he still has the point in favor that he uh, his price is right if he continues yeah. to start for that team. And you'd think there's going to get a run of clean sheets at some point. Yeah, I it just I mean one only one clean sheet. They, they, they give away one dumb goal in every match. It seems like and the way they're playing still, back there, with Bravo and Stones doing their little tiki taka. Uh, they're they're going to have a mistake in them every game. It's ridiculous. I felt like, uh, yeah, I mean, Swansea could have scored two or three goals in that match, and they, they were kind of unlucky to lose it, to be honest. They, they, that match could have been a, I mean, at the very end, they wore Swansea down. The last, like, 20 minutes was a, they they were destroying them. But the, the first 70, Swansea really, you know, really played pretty pretty tough. I hope, I hope uh, Lorente really enjoyed that one goal that he's going to score this season. <laughs> hey, that was, I think that was the second goal of the season, wasn't it? Oh, did, it was an assist in game week one. Yeah. Maybe it was an assist. Yeah. Yeah. So right for, yeah. yeah. Uh, Ross Barkley. What do you think, Brandon? Well, he had a couple. <laughs> That's like the uh, like Beastie Boys song. Drop. Like the Barkley drop. <laughs> he had a couple of uh, decent chances in that Bournemouth game. Got on the end of a few crosses, but he's still doing his Barkley thing. Yep. I feel like you could spend that money a lot in much better ways. I think he's getting dangerously close to coming off the bench in, a, in like for, for a few fixtures. Yeah, Barkley has not been a part of anything good for that team since yep. like the first game week. Yeah, uh, Eric Lamella, one goal, one assist, started really hot, went away to Argentina for the for the qualifiers, and uh, and then he kind of got well pipped uh, <laughs> with Son being his Luke Garrick. He, he came got back. Sunned. And, yeah, Son has scored what four goals in the last three matches. I mean, what can you what can he's, you do? He is out there like he's playing playing just for fun with his friends. It's it's incredible. Yeah. He just dribbles all around the eighteen box and and scores a goal. And uh, he plays a lot of joy. It was kind of annoying last year when he played with so much joy because he was so bad at 
<laughs> scoring and finishing. But uh, when yeah, he's a really he's a player that's easy to root for. I have to say. Yeah, I agree. Lamella was was our our everybody's dark horse to start the season, and it looked like he was going to finally come good. Yeah, it's not happening though. Yeah, maybe Lamella gets rotated a, a lot because of the Champions League. I don't see where he fits into the squad um, at the moment. Yeah, maybe maybe an Erickson spot if Erickson can't achieve any consistency. I don't know. It's a yeah. Lamella is clearly not a player you want in your squad right now, though. It's just so, there's, it's too risky. This is a broader, more interesting question to me. What to do with that Spurs team? The Spurs team's playing really well, but there are a lot of different. You know, Harry Kane is is injured. Are you at all tempted by Jansen, or are you tempted to bring Son in? I, I'm not really tempted by either player, to be honest. Uh, I know how much. I mean, I mean, Son. I guess a little bit, you know, just because he he has played the last three fixtures and he's in good form. But you know, they, they've got the Champions League at midweek this week, and I don't know. I just I'm a little nervous about about. Um, you know what? Uh, how consistent he's going to be long term? If he's going to start every game week, and and you know Jansen, I just haven't been blown away with his with his finishing. Um, yeah. I think that I know he picked that. He finally picked up an assist in uh, in this game week. But um, there's the strong I mean, scent of uh, Soldado coming from Jansen. <laughs> yeah, I mean he it, it doesn't look like he's 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 more he's got a little more to pay than Pele at this point. But <laughs> you know it's a little a little too early to tell, I guess. Uh, but I mean, their next fixtures—they're playing Man City, which uh, is not a great fixture for them. And you know, Aguero always scores five when he plays Spurs, so it's it's not, not looking good. What if the, right. what if the tables turn and it's Son scoring five against Manchester City? Oh, I would love that. That would be amazing. <laughs> Brandon, we got through it. That was fast. My God, yeah, that was yeah. that was the record record time. Let's take a quick break. We'll do a, a fast, a very fast, little five-minute look at Game Week 7, and uh, and then let's uh, wrap things up. Okay. Same old podcast, always shading. All right, Brandon, Game Week 7. Uh, it's coming up with another Friday fixture. Uh, we'll see if I'm at work or where, where I am, if I'm still I don't, I don't even if I'm still alive, you know, it's all everything's everything's you in play right know. now. A- an asteroid could just come from outer space and obliterate this entire planet. You never know. It's it's on the table. Uh, transfer dealings. Uh, do you have any your moon? <clears throat> excuse me. Transfer dealings. Do you have your move in mind for uh, for this week? I do. I've got a few. I've got three players in particular that are, on, that are on the bubble right now. It's Ross Barkley, Ashley Williams and Luke Shaw. So. I'm thinking very strongly about turning Luke Shaw into an Arsenal defender because right now I'm doubled up on Man United defense for, you know, a reason that seemed to make sense to me a few weeks ago. And now it's it's particularly with Arsenal looking like they did against Chelsea. uh, I think I need to diversify a little bit. So in all likelihood, I turn I turn uh, Luke Shaw into an Arsenal defender. Otherwise, Barkley has to turn into somebody more, a little more interesting. Okay, interesting. I uh, yeah, and Vokes is not even on the table. I I like it. You're sticking with Vokes. Absolutely, my art project continues. <laughs> Hashtag uh, Vokes for Vokes. 
I'm planning to to not make a transfer, but that depends on what happens with Leighton Baines and Luke Shaw. If if one or both of them is, and you know, for Baines, it might be a quick turnaround. Komen said in a press conference afterwards that he uh, he wasn't ready for uh, for the Bournemouth match. He might be ready for for Friday. So. Uh, I'll probably be cutting that one down to the wire. If so, I think, um, like you, it's it's an easy move for me. I would be um, I'm making a move for an Arsenal defender, probably Kshelny. Possibly Mustafi now is actually one of the cheapest options in that team. Uh, Montreal, I think, is also an option. Uh, this is also, but you know, we also have Champions League on Tuesday and Wednesday, so it's definitely a game week to uh, to wait until those matches are over because you never know what's going to happen. Shout out to Kieran Gibbs for being a, a heroic substitution uh, against Chelsea. Uh, he's kind of a sad story in that he's been a great servant to Arsenal, and just, I know just not quite not quite really good enough. Yeah. Uh, clean sheet picks. Uh, last week I picked Sunderland. That worked out horribly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they kept it for a good long while, though. I think that they. I mean, I think all of the goals in that match were scored in the maybe this. Uh, no, no. I mean, all the goals from for Chris Paul. I think they were scored in like the sixty-five minute, sixty-fifth minute or later, right? Yeah, it, they, you were, they, I don't know if you were keeping an eye on that match. I, I was keeping an eye on it just to see if you got your uh, your bad Kone clean sheets. And also, we're both Jordan Pickford owners now, uh, warming our bench. And I'm curious to see how he he does week to week. He he managed to not get any save points this week. So that was one Surprise. of the great appeals yeah. of Jordan Pickford is he would just <laughs> be a shot stopper. Yeah, well, we'd seen that in earlier weeks. Yeah. Uh, who's your clean sheet pick? Oh, sorry. My, my clean sheet pick this week is uh, Man United at home to Stoke. So I know that you're looking at getting rid of Man United defender, which I do understand. Uh, but I think that's a pretty good. I think they get back on track and get a clean sheet in that match. Yeah, I picked Watford this week, and we all know how that turned out. Uh, playing uh, at Turf Moor did not work out in Watford's favor. So I'm going to take the easier option for game week seven, and I'm going to pick Arsenal. Though they're away from home, they're playing Burnley, who... Uh, will probably find it difficult to score against Arsenal. Okay, good pick. Uh, Captain picks. Um, I just mentioned, uh, you know, Brock Toon scoring five goals every time he plays Spurs. It's not every time, but it seems like it's most times. But uh, I'll go a slightly maverick pick here, even though his ownership is still like 30%. Uh, and I will pick Ibrahimovic at home to Stoke. I just think that you can't keep a, a 6-5 martial art loving <laughs> 35 year old striker down for long and uh, i think that he uh, he comes good in this match do you think maybe to help maybe to help his game that the uh, fa would allow ibra to play with some sort of karate kid headband uh, i feel like that might help like center his chi and make him feel a little cooler yeah. I wonder if they let players wear hat. Like, what about a cap, like a baseball cap, like to keep the sun out? Can you imagine if a bunch of players could run around in baseball caps? Goalkeepers can wear baseball caps. That's true. To That's keep true. the sun who out was, of their eyes. Who was it? Was it the, like the Swansea backup keeper he used to wear a baseball cap? Yeah, he wore two, uh, he wore, he wore two caps uh, on, on, <laughs> on top of each other, one to protect the back of his neck and one to keep the sun out of his eyes. All right, so I see you've got Brock Toon for your captain pick. I don't mean to step on you here, but if you if you couldn't pick him, who would you pick for this game week? Yeah, I mean, Brock Toon, just legend against Spurs. It's hard to go against that. Let's say he gets uh, injured in the Champions League at midweek. Well, hey. Always, always in play. I do agree that Ibra stands a pretty good chance to produce something against Stoke, particularly because they're at Old Trafford. Um, I mean, maybe... Maybe I go with uh, Alexis Sanchez 
or hmm. uh, or even Mesut Ozil. I would love to see Mesut Ozil keep his form up. I mean, Arsenal look good. I still like City either any way you slice it against Spurs. Spurs, um, their their first season for a while being back in the Champions League, and you know that's that's a pretty um, ambitious schedule. You're for, you're. I don't know, again, I'm I'm curious to see how Leicester deals with Southampton yeah. coming off of another yeah. Champions League fixture. It's like high mental energy to go and com- compete in the Champions League. So I just feel yeah, like sure. City's going to be ready for that match. So, yeah, if it's not Brock Toon, another City player, or somebody from Arsenal. Okay. I'm, I'm kind of shying away from United at the moment. Yeah, that's I, I can understand that. Uh, it's hard to know where the goals are coming from, if nothing else. I mean, I know they scored four uh, at home to Leicester. That's it. That's it. How's Josh. that? How's, how's that for uh, for a transition? Go have uh, a baby already. Come on. Yeah, seriously. Uh, so we'll see. I don't think you'll see me next week, but we'll see. Um, and uh, Brandon, where can people find us? People can subscribe to the Always Cheating podcast. Find us on iTunes, where if you like what you hear, please leave us a review. That helps us a lot. Even if you just like hit the five star, you don't have to write anything. Just leave us a review on iTunes. Of course, you can follow us on SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, or on Google Play, Acast, TuneIn, which is this cool streaming service, TuneIn.com. And you can follow us on social media, at Hail Cheaters, where you can get live updates on the, the ongoing saga that is Josh's personal life. And uh, find us on Facebook, Always Cheating. And send us an email, why don't you? HailCheaters at gmail.com. That's it. Hashtag Hail Cheaters. Hashtag Embakani Forever. Hashtag Have Mercy. All right, Josh. I'll be back next week. We'll see what's happening with you. Good luck to everyone in Game Week 7. Ciao. You can cut the chow at the end there. (laughs) Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.